0: just heard charmer don't walk away yes an awesome rochester new york band
1: yep one of our local faves
0: yeah um we have a great show today we do uh we had a great week Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. um last week we got to talk to brian mason Mm -hmm. that was that was a lot of fun it was um this week we have um another guest on the show we do but before we get to that, I have a couple of things I want to talk about. Okay. So I found myself on Urban Dictionary this week uh, because somebody said a phrase that um, I've never heard before.
1: Okay. What was that?
0: Harsh my mellow. <laughs> have you ever heard that?
1: I've heard it. Yeah. You have? Uh-huh. When? What do you mean when?
0: You're not cool at all.
1: I know I'm not cool,
0: (laughs) but I've heard it. Uh, Well, for those of you that don't know what Harsh My Mellow is, it is uh, to be a killjoy or to ruin someone's happiness. Mm. So, like, don't marsh... No. Marsh my hello? (laughs) Yeah, don't marsh my hello. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then I went... I found myself in a rabbit hole on Urban Dictionary, and um, they have, like, a random words button Uh yeah um but today's random word is isk
1: okay what is that do
0: you know what that means Uh, no so it's an adjective used to describe immense sadness that cannot be put into words Mm. and i don't know about you but the most my favorite part of urban dictionary is actually not necessarily the word Uh but the examples that they use yeah
1: yeah they're great
0: um so, this example is, oh my God, my mom just died. And <laughs> person two, ah oh man, isk. <laughs> 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 huh. So, um, if a friend's loved one dies, you now know how to respond.
1: Okay. All right. I don't know if I'm going to use that one, though.
0: Isk. <laughs> Make it super extra awkward. <laughs> Um Also, we were at the record archive this week. Yes. we had to um, get Christmas presents. yeah. World's better to go than exactly. the record archive right. Um, and we had to get our tickets to um, a very special birthday party that we attended this weekend. That's right. We could talk about that in a minute. Yes. Um, but I had the pleasure of talking to Stormy for um, a couple minutes, not very long because she was working. Um, and you had the opportunity to talk to Lon for a couple minutes. Yeah. Um, I love Stormy. Well, I love Lon too, but you talked to Lon. Yeah. I talked to Stormy. Yeah. Um, they're both great. Yeah. But <laughs> I am now on a mission. So we yes. had a joke, right? Uh-huh. Stormy and I, because I told her that I carry pepper spray because I'm scared of the deer around here.
2: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Cause I like get really close to you. Like, they're peopleized, Yeah. Like, they're used to being around people, I think. Um, so, uh, I went from being scared of, like, bums approaching us right. to deer approaching us. Yeah.
1: We remember all the times we would walk home from shows and there'd be shootings, like, literally the route we By would take By our head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's... Now and Mark
0: James is always like, man, did you guys get home okay? Yeah. There was a shooting on your way home. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> and now there's, like, I think... We're not, we're not in the country, but there's. It seems like it's there's more, Yeah, there's more deer around here. There's than people. more
0: animals and wildlife for uh-huh, sure.
1: Uh-huh. Less bullets.
0: All right, let's go to the good stuff here.
1: All right, we are going to be talking today to Alan Tecchio, who has been around forever. He's been in Hades, Watchtower, Nonfiction, Seven Witches,
0: Mike LePond, Silent Assassins.
1: Y- yeah yeah just tons of bands
0: power all kinds of stuff yeah yep um and he's he's really an um, an amazing vocalist when it comes to power and the whole prog metal scene absolutely yeah
1: absolutely so we're gonna play a couple of songs and then come back and go into the interview we're gonna give him a call all right we're gonna start out with hades the leaders and then we're gonna play mike silent assassins the song silent assassins it's Ben and Fee from Grim Dystopian.
3: Hey, what's going on, man?
1: How are you doing?
3: Good, good. Sorry, you just caught me by surprise. I was in the middle of something else. It's all good. I'm ready for you. Are you sure? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm just juggling stuff with kids, but it's all good. <laughs> Alright.
1: Um, how do you feel about uh, giving us a timeline of, of Alan, and maybe we can ask a few questions along the way that you haven't been asked a million times?
3: <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if we have that much time, bro. <laughs> I'll I'll, yeah, I'll give you as quick of one as I can. Like, I started singing in high school just with my friends, like, playing around goofing off and uh, started a little bit of a cover band doing, like, Maiden and Priest and Van Halen and Sabbath and stuff like that. Uh, my first uh, band that recorded anything was a band called Prophecy. We just did a two-song demo. After that, I was in this band Aggressor for a little bit, but never released anything with them. But they're on a U.S. Heavy Metal volume 4, I think, compilation from Shrapnel, Mike Barney's label. Uh But that was before I was in the band. So I did that, and then right after that was Hades. So I did my first full-length record. I guess that was like 1985, 86. I think it came out. And then uh, we did two records, a live record basically broke up i went into a band called watchtower down in texas that was 10 pounds with the singer and he got a deal for his band dangerous toys with columbia records so he left watchtower recommended me i ended up getting a gig i did one album with those guys toured around the world totally awesome like progressive metal band and then uh, unfortunately the guitar player developed some problems with his fingers and he couldn't play for like three or four years so i ended up moving back to new jersey at that point from austin texas I uh, joined back up with the guitar player from Hades, Dan Lorenzo, and we started nonfiction, another band that was sort of like a slowed down, doomed out, tuned down eighties, but much slower kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after that, I mean nonfiction broke up early nineties. And I'm trying to think like for a couple of years I didn't really even do too much. I had a band called All Time Low. We just did two demos. It was me and the drummer from Nonfiction, mm-hmm. but in All Time Low, he was playing drums and guitar and bass. Like, he was very, very talented. That was Mike Christie.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, we did that for a couple of years, just playing bars, not really looking to get a deal or anything, and not getting a deal <laughs> and everything. And uh, after that, I think, you know, Hades reunited again. At some point, we got a deal with Metal Blade, and we did three more albums for Metal Blade, which was totally kind of out of the blue. And after the nonfiction years, like 98, 99, 2000, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, which I actually love some of those records. You can hear some nonfiction influence in them, but they're Hades records. Yeah, okay. And, you know, after that, not too much went on for a little bit. And I got, it was Jack Frost. I did a song on his solo record. And then I got the, the opportunity to sing in Seven Witches. So I did two albums with Seven Witches. Uh, somewhere back in those nonfiction years, I also did a record with Dan Daly called Power. Yep. that's a pretty cool like classic metal record. Uh, and I guess after the, the Jack Frost stuff, I started a band called Autumn Hour with guys. This the first band I ever like put together by myself.
2: Mm-hmm. We did
3: one record on Cyclone Empire. It's like a concept record uh, that I think is really cool it's called Dethroned. Yep. but that was really it for for us. I mean, we were writing a second record and it just never materialized. Uh, and in the meantime, I got uh, the opportunity to play or rather write and collaborate with a couple different guitar players. So one guy is from Hungary, uh, Danny Sabo, and we did a, a whole record's worth of material. He paid me to write all the lyrics and melodies and harmonies, and it's now getting mixed ten years later, oh, wow. <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Wow. But after you know, ten years like after I did that with him and nothing happened with it, I had a German guitar player reach out to me, and we started a band called Level Field. Uh-huh. Uh, me, him, his, his drummer in Germany, and my bass player from Autumn Hour, Clint Aaron, who lives here in New Jersey by me. And uh, so we put a record out last year. In the midst of that, probably three years ago or more, I started working with Mike LePond, who I had played with in Seven Witches. And he got me uh, staying on his solo record. Yep. So we've done two so far that came out, and I've completed the third one that's getting mixed right now, and it, I think it's just outstanding. Mike really outdid himself with this. In that band, he writes everything, you know. Uh-huh. So I just get I get to embellish the vocals a little bit, and um, I think that kind of brings us up to speed.
1: <laughs> okay. Um. What What is the uh, the guy from Hungary that you're working with? What What is that called?
3: It's called Mind Mirror. Okay. at least that's the working title but since we started with that i think there's been like 10 mind okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it may end up it may end up being something else it's kind of his thing to orchestrate i'm just glad he's actually trying to finalize mixes because the stuff is really really cool in my opinion
1: well we're curious to hear that oh yeah that we you've been in a million bands and that that's the one we uh don't have on our list.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody really knows about that man. It's really, really obscure.
1: Huh. Well, we're really curious to hear it. I'm sure a lot of people are.
3: Cool. Oh, dude, you're gonna dig it, dude. the guy's like a genius writer. He really was like uh like Marco in level fields This to me. He's like my muse. Mm. This guy was my muse for this project and we just every time he sent me something, I just immediately had melodies and stuff for it. It was that doesn't always happen, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah are you still in contact with jason mcmaster
3: yeah. yeah i don't talk to him all the time but we're still total buds and every now and then we'll like have a rap session for a half hour an hour on the phone and just catch up on life and stuff uh but yeah i love that guy man that guy is like salt of the earth you know
0: we actually have the opportunity we're gonna go see him at m3 this year
3: oh with danger Stories? yeah yeah Awesome! Awesome! <laughs> have you seen him with broken teeth ever? Because with broken teeth, he's phenomenal as well. No, no we, we
1: haven't. We've asked. heard broken teeth, but we haven't seen him live.
3: Great, great band live! I don't know how much playing they're doing anymore, but there's a guy who's in like more bands than me, and he's really active with them, like touring and stuff. <laughs> you know?
1: Are you working on a new Level Fields uh, album for this year or no? Or not we're, this year? We're, next we'll, year. We'll be,
3: we'll, yeah, it won't be this year for sure, but we're, we are. Mm-hmm. We covered a Cure song, a uh, song by the band The Cure called The Same Deep Water As You. We did a cover of that. That's in the mixed stage. We haven't gotten a final mix on it yet. And we've got about, I would say, eight songs in various stages of build. So some of them are totally buttoned up and done, uh, and other ones are like you know, early stages.
1: Mm. I think I read that you are a fan of New Wave.
3: I was originally a huge fan and still am to this yeah. day, but before I was into battle, that was my thing, like for sure.
1: Yeah. Like the Smiths and Kira and stuff oh like that. Oh my God.
3: Lo- love the Smiths. One of my favorites. The Kira is probably my all time favorite. Psychedelic Furs, uh, Pet Shop Boys, you mm. name it.
1: <laughs> you, I think you covered uh, your Rhythmic song on, I can't remember what it was on. Was it? Uh... It's
3: on the Autumn Hour record. Okay. It's on the Autumn Hour record. Yeah. Here Comes the Rain yeah, again. Yeah,
1: yeah. That was a really cool version.
3: And Seven Witches, we covered Flesh for Fantasy by Billy Idol. Oh, cool. And with the Minds Mirrors project, we cover In Your Room by Depeche Mode. Oh, and that is, a, so that is cool. a really sick cover. That is a real, I got to say so, man. It was really cool because it's sort of the same, but not and way heavier. You know?
1: Oh, that's cool. Have to check that out. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah,
3: I love giving props to bands like that. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: Level Fields, let's talk about that for a second. Because I think, is that the first band that you have been in that you're recording remotely, right? Because you're guitarists and drummers in Germany for that band.
3: The first thing I did remotely like that was the Minds Mirror stuff, which I know you, you didn't know about. So not your fault <laughs> that was the that's where I that's where I learned how to do that stuff like Danny Sabo the guitar player like highly encouraged me and helped me to be comfortable recording at home by myself I was really afraid to do it I mean it's hard to be the engineer and the artist you know it's like you got to wear these two hats simultaneously and yeah it's like a little bit of a learning curve so he was super instrumental in getting me to do that and that was really the first virtual thing I ever did. Um, but then, you know, that led me into the Level fields thing, and it was like, you know, it was great. I mean, it started with one song, where he just paid me to write to the song that he thought was very nonfiction-y, because he was a big nonfiction fan. And I, I did that, and I was like, cool, and he goes, hey, look, can we do another song? And I'm like, ah, I don't know, you know. <laughs> and the, the second song was way better than the first one. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's do the second song. <laughs> <laughs> And that led us to the third and the fourth and the rest. And, you know, before you knew it, we had a whole record together. But it did take a few years for sure, you know?
0: Yeah. Is the feel different in the band doing it remotely like that? Or is it the same?
3: You know, I mean, I can't say because I've never been in a live room with them, which I think would be rocking and awesome. And a shame that I haven't been able to do that. But to me, like, I get into that mode, you know, when I'm creating and tracking and I'm just... I don't know, I find this zone and I'm fine doing it. Like It's not like I'm missing something. I'm, I'm there with the music and if the music sounds great in my headphones that's kind of all that matters. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's cool.
1: I read that you were talking in another interview, you were talking about uh, um, taking vocal lessons and yep. you had mentioned a few different coaches and I think you, you said that some of them had a neg- negative impact on you. Can you kind of, uh, you didn't really go into detail on that. I was wondering what kind of what happened with that.
3: Um, there was one guy, well, there was one wacky woman who actually I went to who lives in the town that I'm pulling into right now
1: uh-huh.
3: in my car, uh, ironically enough. She would like sit on my stomach, like make me lay on the floor, oh, wow. sit on my <laughs> stomach and, and and breathe, like, and push my diaphragm to, like, lift her off the ground, and it was a little too weird and sexual. Right. And I was young, you know? I was young, and I was like, this is bizarre. So she kind of freaked me out, and I stopped doing. I wouldn't say that was a negative impact,
1: but it was, <laughs> was definitely an impact, you know? Yeah.
3: And, um, anyway, the, the guy that I think I was referring to, I know that I was, actually, was some famous dude who taught, like, lessons to kind think of thinking who was Sebastian Bach and Bon Jovi and like all these big guys. This has been in the non-fiction years when we were managed by uh, SST and Weehawk and, and they had these connections to these, you know, supposed big you know, trainers and whatnot with who trained the stars, you know? Yeah. And and the guy was not cheap, man. He was like stupid expensive. And they, of course they paid for it, but it comes off the back end by us. We're paying
1: for right, it. You right, right. Yeah.
3: And it was a lot, I remember it being a lot of money, and I'm like, I don't know if this is really worth it. Like, I'm saying okay. <laughs> I probably need some help with pitch, but I'm breathing okay. Like, I'm, I've got a lot of the elements down, but there's the things I know I need to work on, we weren't working on. He was trying to completely reform how I sang and change the way I did it, and it just was not... I wasn't feeling it. So it started to make me sing differently, and my voice kind of sounded a little weird, and... I just was like, I can't go to this guy anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. something's happening that I'm not digging, and that was really all that there was to that story.
1: Mm. So he, he didn't do any permanent damage. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, no, no. That's he was just—he was reforming how I sang, and mm. I just didn't like how it was sounding. I didn't like how it felt because like, it just got to feel really natural.
1: Yeah, just yeah. sing,
3: you know. Well, it's got to really feel like, you know, it's what you sh- your body should be doing.
1: <laughs> you know. Right. Right.
3: I felt like I was forcing something and doing it the opposite or, or just different in a bad way.
1: Right. Do you do you like as a musician um, performing at festivals?
3: I like the festivals. I mean, I think I like the smaller clubs a bit more because it's more intimate. Yeah. You can like get sweaty with everybody and touch everybody's hands and stuff. At festivals, there's always those big barriers. Right, right. But the festivals, you get to reach a ton more people, which is kind of cool, because there might be people there that don't really know you and, and might get turned on to you, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, aside from your... I know having kids and a family, you have to say that first, but if you put that aside, what would you say you're most proud of, in either in, in your life in general, or in your musical career?
3: I would say that on the Michael Pond record that's about to come out, uh-huh. I don't know if I'm you know the absolute most proud of this but it was definitely one of the most difficult things to sing that i've ever sung and uh, it's a song called the telltale heart oh cool so that'll be i guess that'll be out like in spring or sometime next year i'm guessing but that song I, when i listen to it now i mean not to sound like i'm full of myself <laughs> but i listen and i'm like wow like that really came out cool and was really hard to accomplish <laughs> You know, so I'm proud of it for that.
0: Did you write the lyrics for that song?
3: No, Mike writes everything for the Silent Assassin stuff. He writes the melodies, he like gives me a version of him singing the melodies, and then I take it and he lets me really do whatever I want with it, but I usually stay pretty true to what he started with, because he's got just a really great melodic sense, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, I can't wait to hear that. The yeah. everything that I've heard, everything you've done, but everything you've done with Michael Pond has been has been amazing. So, if you oh, Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. If you if you're saying this is even better than what you did in the past, <laughs> I can't wait to hear it.
3: Honestly, the, I think the whole record's elevated. I mean, every band says that. I get it. You know like oh our newest record is the greatest heaviest thing we've ever done but like mike really every record he did the first one i was like you know what this is solid metal record and then he's like i got the second one done and i'm like what i mean it was like months after that and he's like yeah it's already all done Uh he hadn't tracked it all but he wrote it all and i was like okay and then we did that record and i was like wow this is more intricate and a bit leveled up from the first one uh with just more layers more going on and this third one is absolutely the same kind of... It might even be a bigger step, actually. It's got some very, very cool stuff on it that... It's just very hooky, very melodic, and, and it's very likable, but it's edgy and heavy, too, you know?
1: Can't wait to hear it.
0: Is there a release date for that?
3: <laughs> I don't think so. I know he's got another record deal. It's so hard to get deals these days, but Mike pulls something out every time. And this is a new label. I don't even remember the name... But um, I think he's targeting hopefully early spring next year, maybe March, April.
0: Oh, so that's pretty soon.
3: Yeah, but there's no firm date, and you know how that stuff goes. It yeah. Push back.
0: yeah, that's true. Is there anything specifically that stands out to you as far as influences and inspirations musically? As a singer? Yeah.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely in the early days, like Rob. Robert Plant, uh, eventually definitely Rob Halford, massive influence, Bruce Dickinson, huge but also when I have those like softer moments, definitely Robert Smith from The Cure uh, the dude from Psychedelic Furs you know, like those guys that have that that raspy kind of darker tonality uh, I think that influenced some of the stuff I've done, but for the metal stuff for sure, Eric Adams Jeff Tate, you know, all those guys were like big influences on me
1: yeah have you throughout your years have you met anyone that you've been a fanboy over
3: <laughs> i met ronnie james dio in the ball once when i was at my lunch break when i worked at macy's oh, wow. <laughs> 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 and I, there was it was you know dio was playing the big gigantic you know uh, coliseum by us in new jersey i guess at the time at the Brendan brendenburn arena and uh I'm on my break and the mall was kind of quiet in the afternoon and I'm coming out of CBS and I see this tiny little guy walking with long hair with this mountain of a man next to him, which is his bodyguard. Uh And I'm like, that's an odd couple. (laughs) I'm like, that looks looks a little weird. I'm like, who is that dude? And as he got closer, I'm like, oh my God! It's Ronnie James (laughs) Dio! And I'm obviously a massive fan of his. So I went up to him and I said, Excuse me, but are you Ronnie James (laughs) Pito? And he's like, as a matter of fact, I am. (laughs) And I said, said, dude, I am such a massive fan of yours. I just want to tell you, you are like a god to me. And he's like, well, I really appreciate that. (laughs) And right then, all these people came from everywhere, out of nowhere, (laughs) and swarmed him. And I felt so bad for calling attention to him. (laughs) I just shook his hand, and I walked away, and I'm like, you know that was a really cool encounter and the only other funny thing is uh, when i interviewed rob halford once he actually ended up hitting on me at
2: the end
3: <laughs> it, was, it was really it was really uncomfortable but the guy was such a gentleman that's and great I'm, i mean he's probably he's probably my biggest influence of all yeah with dickinson you know, for sure that's great <laughs> yeah
1: What is your favorite part of being a musician? Do you like writing, recording, playing live? Like, do you have have a favorite?
3: I think I I have moods, right? With stuff like that. Uh So, like, there's sometimes where I'm, like, in a really creative, lyrical mood, and I'll just break out my computer and start, like, writing out lyrics and ideas and thoughts and titles and and whatnot and just churn it like that. When I'm in the mood, it's hard for me to do that if I'm not in the mood. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just... I won't do anything. Just, there's periods where I don't really do much because I'm just not inspired or motivated. And sometimes you'll get an idea while you're driving. Like You've got to pull over and, and write something down because, you know, you'll forget about it. Right, right. But uh, there's other times where like there's a show coming up. I mean, we worked our tails off for the Mike LePont Silent Assassin show we did at Dingbath last year. And I mean, it was literally six months of rehearsing multiple times a week. And it was super tight when we were done, you know, like I think we played really well. Everybody did a great job. So there was an excitement to that. And when I was in that live mode, you know, that's like the most exciting thing to be doing. And then the same kind of goes for recording, because sometimes you're like in a mood to go record. And like I was saying earlier, the Minds Mirror guitar a player inspiring me to track by myself. I can sit there and totally just... Get in the zone and i don't have to worry about paying for studio time and what the engineer's doing in the other room i just go when i'm ready and i can get the best possible takes i I want and take my time getting them right uh and there's a there's a real great excitement to that you know what i mean when you're in that mode to go track some stuff and i double everything that i sing you know so i try to make the doubles super tight yeah and that kind of stuff is really fun you know
1: do you Do you find yourself, since you're recording it yourself and you're kind of in complete control, do you find you're kind of never done? Are you like perfecting everything, going over it more times than you would? No, no, No.
3: I'm not like that. You could, you could, it's a great question. You could easily fall into that if you have that kind of personality. But I'll work hard on a good set of doubles and doubling all my harmonies and whatnot for a demo. And then when I'm good with it, recording it at my house like that, then I'll actually go to my friend Johnny Rod's studio up in New York State, and I'll pay him. He cuts me like an insane deal for his studio time, and he'll engineer me for all the actual tracking, because that way I can just completely focus on the performance. Mm -hmm. And you really need that, and he's really, really fast at the board, so he can get it like totally done and dialed in extremely quickly. And I love to work with that guy, so I do pretty much all of my real tracking with him Mm -hmm. um but i'll do all my demoing by myself you know and and when i'm demoing i'm not that super picky because i know i'm not i'm not going to keep those tracks you know
1: yeah yeah i read somewhere that you were possibly doing some vocals for a cousins project or multiple cousins that did some music that you were going to sing on is did that happen or
3: no i mean that, i can't believe you read that somewhere that's wild <laughs> um literally my one cousin plays in an alice in chains acoustic uh, tribute band uh-huh. and he has another band that has all classic rock covers and he's very new to the game of playing live like someone only been playing in the past maybe four or five years uh-huh. out and, and but practicing at home like his whole life and trying to like step it up to that level and now he's it's so funny because I can live vicariously through him. Yeah. I don't want to be in these bars and clubs getting paid at two in the morning anymore. Right,
1: right. <laughs> but
3: he he loves it because he's never done it, and it's it's very cute. It's very cool. I I, I live vicariously, like I said, through him on it. Yeah. But he had some stuff. I haven't really done anything with him that he wrote original, but we have an older cousin together, and he had written a song. Uh, he's like a, he's probably. Ten or more years older than me right so he's in his 60s and great guy and he's more of like on a hippie vibe than like the metal vibe uh-huh. and he wrote a kind of a, an acoustic song about you know the world and whatnot and he sent me the lyrics and he's like here's here's my idea of what i'd like the vocals to do what do you think And so i did take the time to go and track that uh, just in my home studio and we played it at his house at a, like a cousin's family reunion uh-huh. And that's really all that ever happened with
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been in the business for over 30 years now, right?
3: Yeah, I'm sure. Um, it feels like more yeah. than 50.
1: <laughs> 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 what, with, with all the knowledge that you've gained over the years, what would you tell uh, 17 or 18-year-old Alan if you could go back in time and, and say, you know...
3: Oh, uh, such a hard question, <laughs> man. Like... <laughs> Because I don't have any regrets, mm-hmm. but I do think I could have made some better decisions. I mean, even the stupidest little things, like when Anthrax was auditioning singers, I was like, I'm loyal to Hades. I'm never leaving Hades. And I never even went for the stupid audition. Oh, wow. I probably could have nailed that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's pre Joey Belladonna. You know what I mean? That was like the early, early, right after Neil Turbin was out.
2: Uh-huh, uh-huh. But
3: you know, I guess I have some regrets like that. But what would I tell myself? Probably just stay true to yourself, walk your own path, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: uh, be resilient. You know, be a rugged, you know, individualist, and you know, the the kind of stuff that's kind of guided me through my life as it is. I don't know that I'd have any new wisdom for myself, (laughs) or that I wouldn't want myself to learn those lessons the way I learned.
1: Yeah, you know what I mean. That made you who you are now, right?
3: Exactly. Exactly. Essentially, that's that's the case.
1: Do you think, uh, musically, is that a regret, a big regret of yours for not trying out for Anthrax?
3: No, nah, not a big regret. No. It's funny. I did post it in an interview once before, and uh, people, wrote, people were posting on, they are like, don't worry, they would have screwed you over like they did Bush. <laughs> 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 and I'm actually, and I'm friends with John Bush. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I love Joey Balladonna, I love his voice, and mm. I love, that was like magical what was going on with that band back in the early days yeah, you know
1: yeah
3: just having that kind of voice with that kind of music like it was so different than you know the other contemporaries like exodus and slay or metallica and it was just really i don't know it was inspirational for me He he's another guy that definitely influenced me you know mm. but i didn't know who he was when i was a young kid
1: right, right.
3: you know he wasn't he wasn't an anthrax yet but I don't. I don't. I don't sit around at night thinking, "Shit, I should have done that." <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely. Do, I definitely don't do that. But well, that's good. You know, I th- if, if I had to have a regret, that probably is one. Because why didn't I do that? That was like kind of stupid.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, you were loyal to Hades, right?
3: True enough, but they weren't really loyal to me in the end. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you made a lot of great music.
3: Yeah. I appreciate that, man. And I have no regrets with the Haiti stuff. I mean, it might have ended a little weird, but, you know, it's uh, it's all good at the end of the day.
1: What do you think of, uh, from the side of a music fan and as a musician, how how do you feel about technology compared, like now compared to, you know, in the 70, late 70s, early 80s? As far as accessibility? Um, and, for
3: like recording?
1: Yeah, like, uh, like music accessibility, how it's instantaneous now, and and the recording. I guess it, it covers a lot of aspects. It's, um, it's more convenient now, right?
3: It, it's a lot easier in many ways, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, obviously, for the bands and on the music side, it's a lot less profitable.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They can't
3: really... They can't really make money because they have to tour constantly and sell merch and,
1: right.
3: you know, it, it's a very different thing. Nobody buys CDs anymore. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right.
0: We do. <laughs> yeah, uh,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen, so do I. So do I. I'm into it. Even like the vinyl stuff that's resurging now, I think it's totally awesome.
1: Yeah, definitely. But,
3: you know, it, it's, not, uh, it's not like the old days, obviously. Yeah. And people have to adapt and more to that. For me, like the music is such a part time thing that I'm not really stressing on that stuff. But for my friends that still play and that's how they make their money, you know, they got to be like aggressive with the ticket prices and the shirt got to cost $50, you know? And it's like, you look at it as a fan and you're like, oh my God, this sucks. But you understand if you're a real fan that you kind of got to do that and spend that bread because that's the only way the band's getting anything, you know?
1: Right. I know personally, I like how i mean how instantaneous music can be now if you just think of something you go online and get it or listen to it or whatever but yeah. um i think that a lot's been lost with that technology like you don't me personally i don't really get to know the bands and music as as like intimately as i used to right but right The artwork hear that. and. i hear that you know, everything they put into the the album or whatever, you know, reading the liner notes and all that stuff, I just, it's kind of gone now.
3: I know. Look, I love the fact that when I hear a song, I'm like, oh, what's that song? And I can figure out what it is right away by playing it, you know, through the computer and it tells me what it is. Right. And, right. Uh,
1: like Shazam? You know,
3: I could go on YouTube and be like, hey, play this song. Or I can say, hey, Alexa, play this. And things just happen. Right. <laughs> you know? I
1: know. I know. It's crazy.
3: I think the best part of that is when you have the big data, which, I mean, it's like Big Brother, but figuring out what you like and then offering suggestions that are around that. And then you can learn about new bands. Because for me, that's probably the hardest thing is really getting turned on to new bands. I, I don't really get turned on to a lot of new bands. You
0: know? So I think it's time to break and listen to some tunes. Yeah. All right. So first up, we're going to play Power. Um, And the song we're going to play is Firewalk.
1: Then after that, we're going to hear nonfiction love like nothing.
0: And then after that, Autumn Hour with Dethroned.
1: you know the, the Three Tremors thing? Have you heard of that? Yes. Yeah. What, what do you think of now that?
3: That's what? Sean Peck, it's Ripper, and who's the other guy? Or is it was a change out.
1: The last I knew was uh, Harry Conklin from Jag Panzer.
3: Yes, yes, yes. Who, well, by the way, I didn't have any idea how great that dude was until we played in Europe with him with Jag Panzer. I played with um, Mike LePond's original band, Heathens Raised, who played the Keep the True Festival a oh. few years ago. Uh-huh and Jack Panzer played and I was blown away by that dude. I mean he's he's got that Dickinson vibe, but what a voice, man, and he projects like crazy.
1: Yeah, he's good.
3: I don't know the Sean Peck guy too much and Ripper I think is, you know, just obviously phenomenal.
1: Yeah. Sean was from Cage, right? I think. Sean Peck.
3: But, okay, I think so. Yeah. I don't even know, but I've heard him sing on some stuff and he's got a great voice. I mean, clearly, hanging with those guys. You gotta have chop.
1: Would Would you ever consider doing anything like that?
3: Oh, I would love to do something like that.
1: We would love for you to do something yes, like that. Yes,
3: absolutely. <laughs> that would be sick. I would totally do that, man. I mean, I played... One thing I didn't mention, I guess, was a cover band I had a few years ago. We're still, I guess, able to play, but we never really do anymore. And that's with Jack Fraw. Charlie, Charlie's in that band Angel now, Uh so he's pretty busy. He's pretty busy with Angel, but Charlie on keyboards. uh, We've had different drummers, but Johnny Kelly from Typo Negative is our main guy, and Ronnie Lipnicki's played with us. Mike LePond plays bass. Uh It's all these friends from the metal scene, you know. They put this cover band together, and we had three singers. So it was me, this guy uh, Chandler who's phenomenal especially for the rock stuff he just did a record with michael denner from merciful Fate. that's pretty cool is that and the, um
1: denner's in, inferno is that that or yeah 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 yeah
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's the singer on that oh, yeah that's cool stuff and yeah no great stuff man he's got a six, i played a bunch of shows with that guy but that's the point is there's three or four singers so we had uh, andre this kid from rhode island Franchuk, who's a phenomenal singer Uh, and Anthony, who was the singer in Seven Witches after me, Anthony Cross. Mm. So, for me, dude, if I gotta like, not have to sing the entire set, that's a bonus, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Just saying, you can really push, you know what I mean? When you gotta carry the whole set, there's times where you gotta really conserve your voice, you know what I mean? So you can make it to the end of the set, and play the next night, and the next night, and the next night, and when when you can get a break like that, I think that that's just huge. It allows you to be a little more going for the throat on the parts that you are singing. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That
1: makes sense. What is uh What is Alan outside of music?
3: Uh, former motorcycle safety instructor for a couple uh, universities here in New Jersey. I just put that last year because now my kids are at uh, the age of like. 12 and 13 where I'm just running around chasing them every day just right. forced and with oh so you're a taxi driver <laughs> pretty much right now I'm in that phase <laughs> but it's all good it's all good right. I know this phase doesn't last forever right. people complain about it but I'm cool with it man yeah. you know like I know at some point it's, I'm gonna probably miss it which is weird <laughs> right, <You know>? right. <laughs> but yeah so definitely dad husband I got an awesome wife Beth she's just like totally my rock and my anchor and um you know the kids, Annabella and Nick. That's, that's what it's all about. I'm selling restaurants as a real estate agent for my day job. So I'm like a real estate guy, but we only sell restaurants, taverns, huh. and catering halls. Oh wow! So it's this little commercial, like a commercial niche, and I really dig it. It's challenging. It's freaking hard. Uh, you know, you don't have a steady paycheck, but you can really do pretty well with it. You just got to stay focused and keep working. So I like the ethic. I like kind of being my own boss in a sense with stuff like that. So that works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a swim official for my son, so I'm on the deck disqualifying kids sometimes <laughs> oh, doing, man. Their, doing their stroke, you know. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, uh, I'm a big motorcycle guy still. I don't teach anymore, but, you know, I still ride and I write a motorcycle column in a magazine every month called Metropolis nights. Um the, uh, the rest of the, mo- the year, the four months that we're in right now, I write a ski column, like a snow sports column in the same magazine. Wow. So I'm into, I'm into skiing and stuff, and, and definitely motorcycling, and I'm starting to gather content for next year's motorcycle column. Now, I was today all day I was at the Javits Center and uh, Big Convention Center in New York City for the motorcycle show. They have a media morning where they give you breakfast and lunch and... A tour of all the different things and all the, the people that are there participating give you like a little presentation you know
1: uh-huh.
3: so i do that too for that's that's really like a, a passion of mine it's not something i'm making a lot of money for i get paid for my column but it's negligible you know yeah. what i mean it's it's more about the byline and just you know doing something you really dig you know
1: how do you how do you juggle all this stuff
3: dude it's freaking hard <laughs> <laughs> it's hard it's no joke my wife is a trustee i live in this little lake community it's nothing fancy by all means mostly like blue collar Mm. but it's a great little lake we live in i'm not on the lake or anything but you know my wife is the entertainment trustee so tomorrow night we have our big christmas holiday party and I'll be checking every single person in at the front desk for free as a volunteer. (laughs) And then eventually, at the end of the night, I'll get to hang out and have a few drinks and and chill out and walk a block home. (laughs) But I'm doing stuff like that, mainly to support my wife, because she's the trustee, Mm -hmm. but I can't let her do all that stuff alone. It's a lot of freaking heavy lifting, you know?
1: How did you get into um, selling the real estate, especially a, a niche like that, the restaurant stuff?
3: So I sold advertising to restaurants and bars and nightclubs and stuff for 18 years in a weekly magazine here in New Jersey. Mm, mm-hmm. And that that owner really wanted to like just not publish anymore. So I found an exit strategy, started working for a guy that I met through Dan Lorenzo, actually. He was his neighbor. Mm. And that's who I'm currently working for now for almost 10 years uh, doing this gig. But it was not an easy transition. It was absolutely the most ballsy move I ever made in my life because I was making very good money at the magazine, and I gave all that I gave all that opportunity, every one of my accounts to Dan, mm. and took on the job where I was literally just borrowing money every month from my boss to survive. And at one point, I owed him over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow! So it was not it was not a comfortable position to be in. But if I sell a few deals that are sizable, I mean, I can clip off seventy five or hundred or more at a time. Right. Mm. So I needed to. I didn't clip any deals that would have big unfortunately. <laughs> but I did I did clip some that were like fifty and twenty five and thirty and little by little I whittled it down. It took me five and a half years to completely pay him back and get, you know, cash positive. So it's not for the faint of heart what I do. Yeah. But it's definitely it's definitely cool. You just gotta you can never give up, never surrender, you know?
1: Yeah. You seem like a person that likes to be challenged constantly.
3: I perform better in that kind of scenario believe it or not i never really thought i would but i just do like if if i know i'm getting x amount of dollars every week no matter how hard i work i kind (laughs) of (laughs) suck i really do i show up late i want to leave early i'm staring at the clock all day i'm bored out of my soul like i don't know i just i've never performed well in those jobs
1: (laughs) we're going to play a couple more songs that don't fall short in the performance department <laughs> <laughs> uh, first, we're going to hear nonfiction in the know, and then the great watchtower with technology in action. about watchtower do you find singing to that style of music very challenging because there's a lot going on Uh, yeah yeah
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no absolutely absolutely man those guys jason had that really high-pitched screamy voice yeah and i think i took what he did and and added the melody and harmony to it the harmonies to it let's get out the road here and um And so I I thought it was a great blend. Like I love working with those guys for that when they let me kind of do my own thing. Um, But doing it night after night, I can tell you dude was really, really hard. I would like never talk after I got off stage. Fans thought I was a jerk (laughs) because I was just staying by my, seriously, I would just go in my bunk and try to go to sleep and rest my voice because I was demolishing it every night with that stuff. You know, it was cool and fun. And maybe I wasn't doing it exactly properly, and that didn't help, but uh, just pounding like that every night on your chords so high is really, really hard. And we played in Houston once, I remember, my voice completely went out just in the high register. (sighs) So all the low stuff I could sing, but when I went to do the high thing, all all that came out was just this, like, hissing air noise. (laughs) (laughs) And it it was terrifying, man. But you know what? It was one of the greatest shows we ever did because the fans felt so bad for me. <laughs> they were singing, they were singing at the top of their lungs, and like it was so loud in the place, all the vocals. Uh, it, I'd never seen a show like that before with Watchtower. You know, it was very
1: cool. Uh, that was cool.
3: <laughs> but I, it was, it was definitely scary too. <laughs>
0: yeah, I can imagine.
1: I, I love the first rock, Watchtower record, but you really brought something special to the band. Like you, Thanks, yeah, you you are amazing and a, a great replacement.
3: <laughs> thank you, thank you. I love that Jay and I are so friends too. Yeah, it's so cool.
1: that is really cool.
0: So, what does your playlist look like when you turn the car on or Pandora, whatever you know, medium you use? You know,
3: I've, I have SiriusXM right, so I listen to. I listen to a ton of talk radio, but musically, I'll uh, have first wave, some of those more obscure new wave songs uh seriously sinatra i'm a huge fan of that station uh all the metal stations of course too ozzy's bone yard i mean jose's show Mm -hmm. keith roth is a friend of mine actually from new jersey and i love all that stuff too even like hair nation i'll listen to some of that stuff my wife loves all those hair bands but i only like a few of them (laughs) Uh, all all kinds of stuff and honestly if i have the phone here with all my i have like i guess about ten thousand songs which is not a lot Team of songs, but I'll just hit shuffle on that, and kind of whatever comes up comes up, and if I'm not feeling it, we'll fast forward to the next one. You know.
0: Yep. Yep. That's pretty much what we do.
1: <laughs> have you? I, I don't know why this just came to mind, but have you heard uh, the band Beast Milk? I have not. No. Um. Well, I'll send you a link to that. I, you should check it out. It it reminds me of if the Cure was. Modern I don't Maybe I'm completely off on this But Like Picture the cure But modern With like a metallic edge Oh
3: nice
1: It's interesting
3: Almost like a perfect circle Kind of thing Because that's what they Sounded like to me Yeah
1: But I, I didn't I didn't really like A perfect circle So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: so Yeah but no <laughs> Gotcha Gotcha Gotcha
1: and, and I'm always told That I look like Maynard So <laughs>
0: Oh, there you go! He I get it. literally, literally, when thing. we are when we're at shows, people ask him for selfies, and it's like hilarious. <laughs> people really think he's married.
3: Oh my god, that's great!
0: <laughs> um, so you grew up in uh, a musically charged household, right?
3: Well, not really. I mean, my parents listened to some music. My mom got me into the Beatles and stuff like that, but nobody really played anything in my house or anything like that. And I'm an only child, so no siblings to, you know, kinda of glean off of. It all really came about for me musically with all my high school friends. Like I said, just listening around sitting around rather than listening to Zeppelin and you know, Deep Purple and stuff like that and singing along to things and then my one friend had a band and you know, I, I basically was like, dude, can I sing with you guys? And I really was not good. But he encouraged me. I'm still friends with that guy to this day, Sam Helsel. And, uh, you know, we, we muddled our way to a bunch of bad cover songs. And uh, that's what kind of got me musically interested in, in any music stuff, you know?
0: Yeah. Did your parents support you on, like, your journey?
3: Well, unfortunately, my mom passed when I was 17, and she was a choir singer, so that might have been some of the musicality, too, brought to me, now that you're mentioning it, but she passed, I mean, she was sick for the last few years, I was alive, and there was, you know, I wouldn't bother her too much with the music, I was just starting to get into singing, it wasn't like I wasn't even really in a band that was doing anything yet, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I didn't really, I didn't trouble her, my dad, completely unsupportive, and would definitely be like, don't. He was the reason I didn't really tell my mom much about it. He's like, don't tell your mom about that. It'll make her feel bad that, you know, that you're trying to become a singer in a band. (laughs) I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I never did that. And, you know, look, I love my dad. He's still alive to this day. He's 91, but he still thinks I'm crazy for being in a band. You know?
1: <laughs> well, maybe you are, but you've done a lot of awesome know, stuff.
3: Okay. <laughs> we all got to have a little crazy in us.
0: <laughs> do, you, do you have a gateway metal band that kind of led you down your path?
3: Definitely Iron Maiden, I think. I mean, I had a friend, Rafi Agababian, who passed away from cancer, unfortunately, in 2005 he would hammer the metal for me at his house because he's like, that New Wave stuff is bullshit, you know? <laughs> like, you gotta listen to this stuff. So he would play me like Hellbent for Leather and, you know, the first Ozzy record. And and just we would just hang out and, and, and chill and listen to this stuff. And I finally was like, man, I'm just gonna buy one of these without telling anybody one day. A number of the beast had just come out and I just bought it and I was like, oh my God, this is like the greatest thing ever.
0: Yeah, it still is. That that record for sure.
3: (laughs) That record for sure.
0: That's awesome. (laughs)
1: He sounds like a good friend. Yeah,
3: for sure. Yeah. Did
1: you like what Bruce did in Samson?
3: Uh, I actually did. And I I came to learn about all that stuff way after The amazing stuff, you know what I mean. I went back and rediscovered that. Oh, yeah. and there's some really cool Samson stuff that he did. Yeah. I mean, his voice was phenomenal back yeah. then too. You
1: know? Yeah, definitely. So I think uh, we are we've kept you on long enough. <laughs>
3: <laughs> cool, guys. I really appreciate it, man. Let's, Your timing's perfect. I'm just about to walk into a restaurant with my daughter. Okay.
0: <laughs> oh, good, well, good. Well,
1: thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us.
3: You got it, guys. Have a great
1: weekend. You too. You thanks. Too. All right. Bye. But,
0: what a cool guy! Definitely, he has been so supportive. Yeah. Um, ever since we contacted him and asked him for an interview, yeah. uh, we've been working like behind the scenes with him to try and figure out like which bands to play and which songs to play because he's been in so many projects yeah. and
1: yeah,
0: it's just it's been a lot of fun getting to know him.
1: Yeah, I know we learned a lot along the way about him that we didn't yeah. that we didn't know before.
0: Yeah, really fun. Yeah. Okay, so before we close out. Um, we have a couple shows noteworthy mm. coming up. Yes. Um, first of all, we have December Metal Meltdown yes. with Highest Leviathan. Yes, that's
1: tomorrow. Uh,
0: yeah, and we're super excited about it, so come hang out with us. Yep. Um, and then we have the Gutted Alive release party. Uh-huh. Um, that is December 13th at the Firehouse Saloon. That's
1: right, Friday the 13th.
0: Friday the 13th, yep. And they're going to be with Dissonant Seepage and Mass Casualties. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, Got It Alive that night, will be doing two full sets. Mm-hmm. They're going to be doing, um, obviously, the new album yep. in its entirety. Yep. And then the second later set will be a mix of older stuff, um, and they claim with some super special guests.
1: Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I am too. Um, and then a week after that, Friday, the 20th, Gates of Paradox release show at Photo City Improv with Fatal Curse, Christ, and Gutted Alive.
1: Can't wait for that one.
0: We have a lot of Gutted Alive coming up in the month of December.
1: Yeah. We Christmas many times, many <laughs> times over. Yeah. All right. Let's play a couple tunes. It's like an advent calendar, but with, with, <laughs> with concerts.
0: <laughs> Ow. <laughs> just <laughs> I just my All right. Let's close out this episode. All
1: righty. First, we're gonna hear level fields with disowned,
0: and then we're gonna go into nonfiction, sad, and done.
2: might expect it